Welcome to the Dew of Heaven service with Reverend Brian Krumah. Reverend Brian Krumah brings you powerful and practical teachings of the Word of God, which is able to save your soul. Reverend Bright currently pastors the Bronx North Branch of the Kodesh Family Church in New York City, a church full of love, joy, and enthusiasm for the Lord. We pray that this message brings hope and light to your life. Listen and be blessed. Thankful. We are grateful. We thank you, Lord, that you found us worthy to send an invitation to us. You found us worthy to include us amongst those that you invited to this great feast. We thank you, Jesus, for grace that we have found in your sight. As we have come, oh Jesus, oh Savior, do not pass us by. Let no one here be passed by without you touching each one of us. May we not leave this place without your touch in the name of Jesus. This is our humble cry. This is our request. This is our prayer. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Cast me back. Hallelujah. 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 Clap your hands properly for Jesus and give the Lord a shout of praise. Another shout of praise. And now you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. wonderful okay let us settle because this is a very important moment this afternoon I want to share with you a very simple message and it's called the great invitation to a great feast Oh, I thought somebody was going to be excited. The great invitation to a great feast. Amen. Amen. So I want to welcome all of you to the great feast. You are all welcome to the great feast. Now, when you are given an invitation, a great invitation, you must expect that what is prepared for you is a great thing. When you are given a special invitation, then it means that what is awaiting you is very special. But when you don't have the eyes for greatness, you cannot appreciate great things. When you don't have a heart to receive great things, you will not enjoy great things when they come your way. But this afternoon, I pray that 
God will open the eyes of everyone that is here to appreciate a great thing that the Lord has prepared for you. Amen. Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 14 and verse number 15. And I want to read from the New Living Translation. I want all of your attention. Are you with me? So I want to encourage you. You see, when you when there is a great invitation and there is a great thing, it means that everything that is said is great. And you don't want to miss any part of it. Are you with me? If you are hired on a great job and they are reading your benefits, your salary, and all the great things to you, you don't want to miss any part of it. Isn't that so? You cannot come from a meeting, an interview, and say, I didn't hear when they told me about my salary. Because the moment they say, we are going to pay you this amount, your tentacles, your ears will be alert to listen. Today, I want to tell you that something greater than your salary is going to be announced to you. And so I want all of your attention so you can hear Amen. Amen. So Luke chapter 15, 14 and verse 15. Luke 14 and verse 15. It says, hearing this, a man sitting at a table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing. Say, what a blessing. Say, what a blessing. You know, when something is so powerful, when something is so great, and you want to describe it, and you cannot seem to find words to describe it, when something is so gigantic, when something is so marvelous, and you can't find words to describe it, you say, what a thing. What a woman. You know, when a woman is so great, you know, and they are, you are asked to describe the kind of woman or the kind of man, you look and you say, what a man. You know, when a preacher is so powerful and he's preaching, and you can't seem to find words to describe that kind of preacher, you say, what a preacher. When a word is so powerful and you can't find words to describe it, you just say, what a word. And everyone is supposed to understand that what you are hearing is something really powerful. So there was a certain man sitting at table with Jesus. And when he heard the things that Jesus was saying, he said, what a blessing. What a blessing it is. What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Today, I am saying to you, what a blessing it is for you to attend or to be sitting in a banquet of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
What a blessing. Say, what a blessing. Say, what a blessing. Turn to your neighbor and say, what a blessing for you to sit by me. Amen. Say, what a blessing for you to have honored this invitation. Amen. He says, what a blessing it is. What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. The next verse, Jesus replied with this story. And I want you to listen to the story when someone made that exclamation. This is Jesus' response. He said, Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guest, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Are you with me? You are not missing any part of this. You are following the story. Wonderful. The next verse. Another said, I have bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please, excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife so I can't come. You know, people get married and they stop attending church. People get married and they stop singing in the choir. People get married and they stop playing instruments. People get married and they stop cleaning the church. Say, what a blessing that I'm hearing this. Amen. The servant returned and told his master that had said, his master The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, He reported, there is still room for more. He says, there is still room for more. There is still room for more. There is still room for more. There is still room at the cross. He says, there is still room at the cross. Though millions, millions have come. Though millions have come. Can somebody help me out? Though millions have come. It says there is still room for more. There is still room for more. The servant came back. 
The master said, go, go quickly, go quickly into the alleys, into the streets, into the highways, into the byways. Go quickly at the shelter, at the poor places. The master said, go quickly, go quickly into the alleys. The servant said, master, I have done that. There is still room for more. The next verse. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you can find to come so that my house will be full. So that my house will be full. I cannot allow anything here to be wasted. What is here is too precious to be wasted. So if they will not honor the invitation, he said, come, come. And the servant came and said, master, master, I have gone. I have invited everyone I saw, but still there is room. He said, go, 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 go quickly. Find more, find more, find more and beat them. Anyone that you can find, find and beat them. Don't come back until my room is full. Because what is here is too precious. What is here is too powerful. What is here is too valuable. What I have prepared is too valuable. If they will not honor the invitation, go quickly and find anyone that will come. Because I want my house to be full. I want my house to be full. I can afford for any of this to go to waste. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So his, for none of those, the master said, for none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. If you don't honor this invitation, you will not even taste the smallest of this banquet. Hallelujah. So the master of the house was angry. He was angry at their flimsy excuses. He was angry at flimsy excuses that they made when he invited them to his great feast. They were flimsy excuses because what was offered at this great feast was far greater than anything they were attending to. It was far greater than anything. He said, a master prepared a great feast. So it was greater than anything they were attending to. A piece of land. It was too greater than a piece of land, a piece of property, a field that you have bought. It is too great. What is here is greater than your house. What is here is greater than your rent. What is here is greater than your mortgage. What is here is greater than any property that you can own. Amen. It's greater than the oxen. He says, I have bought five pairs of oxen and I must go and try them out. This was someone's business 
to work with oxen. What is here is greater than your business. What is here is greater than your job. I said it is greater than your job. What is here is greater than any career that you can think of. It is greater than any education that you can think of. What is here is greater than any degree that you can acquire. Amen. Amen. Then someone says, I have married. I have a wife. But the master felt that what he has prepared is greater than any wife. What he has prepared is greater than any husband. What he has prepared is greater than any wedding. What he has prepared here is greater than any family. Is greater than any child that you have. And so he felt they were flimsy excuses compared to what he was offering them. Amen. Amen. What the master was offering them is greater than anything in the world that they could imagine or that they could attend to. Greater than everything that you are looking for. Greater than everything that your heart is pursuing. Greater than anything that is on your heart right now. Amen. Amen. Ask your neighbor, what are you looking for? What are they looking for? Tell your neighbor, I don't know what you are looking for. But tell your neighbor, but there is nothing in this world. Say, there is nothing in this world that is greater than this. Amen. You see, you are the one who does not have the eyes for great things. You are the one who does not understand great things. Amen. And that is why we make flimsy excuses when a great thing is offered to us. The master was angry because those on the guest list, those the master had invited, did not value what he had prepared for them. They didn't have any value for the things that he had prepared for them. So he beat his servant. He says, go, go. He was angry. He was angry and said, go, go, go. Because, you see, people do not value great things. Amen. Amen. The master was expecting that the people would have responded with excitement. He was expecting that they would have responded with joy. The master was expecting that the banquet hall was going to be full and overflowing. That was his expectation. God expects his church to be full and overflowing. But they are not. Why? God expects his church to overflow. But it is not. Why? Because people do not know the value of what awaits them when they come. Amen. Amen. Now when you give a great gift... And it's not treated with respect and honor, you get angry. When you are giving a great gift, when you are offering a great gift, and the receivers do not value it, they do not honor it, you get angry. Amen. The master was angry and took his anger even on the servant. That was how angry he was. 
the master will be angry and he will take his anger upon the servants who know the great things and don't go out of their way to bid many to come in. He was angry. He says, go, don't come back until my house is full. Don't come back until my house is full. Amen. You see, a mother who loves her children can, can get angry when the children trivialize precious gifts, when the children trivialize precious sacrifices, when the children trivialize precious time. The mother who loves the children so much can get angry. You see, God is a very loving God. You don't know God. He's very loving. But when you do not value the great gifts that he sends you, when you do not value the great gifts that, that he sends you, you will see another side of God. You see, when a mother sees that the children are not valuing the great gifts, you see, you see another side of the mother. The children see another side of the mother that they have not seen before. The mother can be very loving. A father can be very loving. But when he sees that this precious thing that I bought for you is what you are just throwing all around and working on it, he gives you time out and says, stop it. You can't do this. You're not having this anymore. You're not going here. You're not doing that. If you are not valuing this great gift, if you don't value the great gift that God has for you, you'll see another side of God. God is a very loving God. And you have no idea that when you trivialize this great gift, a place that he can prepare for you, Amen. Amen. Are you following with me? Yes. Now, what is this great feast which seems to be priceless, which seems to be so valuable? It is the salvation of your soul. Amen. I say it is the salvation of your soul. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And today you are also invited to the same great banquet that is prepared for the salvation of your soul. Hallelujah. Amen. Your response to this invitation will depend on your knowledge of the value of what is being offered. Amen. Did you hear me? Yes. I said, how you are going to respond, it will depend on your knowledge of the value of what is being offered to you. And today, I'm going to try to show you the value or the price that was paid for what is being offered to you. You see, because if the invited guests, if they had any clue, if they had any clue of the value, they wouldn't have made such excuses. If they had any idea how valuable what has been prepared for them, they wouldn't have made such excuses. And I pray that God will reveal this value to you today so that when you are invited, you will not refuse it. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26. 
It says, for what is a man profited? Say profit. Say profit. How many of you like profit? How many of you like losses? You invest in something and you want to have a loss. How many of you like it? How many of you like profit? Okay. The Bible says, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What shall it profit a man or for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world, the whole world, and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give? What at all in this world shall a man give? What is worthy? What is of value in this world that a man can give in exchange for his soul? Say, what a question. When a question is a great question, what do we say? Yes. So this is a great question. Do you have the New Living Translation in this version? It says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Anything. Amen. You see, everything you are trying to get is in this world. Have you realized that? Everything that you want is in this world. And the Bible is saying there is nothing in this world that can be compared to your soul. In other words, there is nothing you are looking for or there's nothing you are pursuing in this world that can be compared to your soul. Amen. Amen. There is no job in this world that can be compared to your soul. There is no career in this world that can be compared to your soul. There is no field, there's no property, there's no land in this world that can be compared to your soul. There is no degree. There is no marriage in this world that can be compared to your soul. Amen. There is no baby so precious in this world that can be compared to your soul. So, not your apartment can be compared to your soul. And not your apartment building can be compared to your soul. So if someone was to say, forsake your soul, and we will give you free rent throughout your living, throughout your life, it is not worth your soul. Or if someone were to say, the whole of your apartment building, the rent will come to you, it is still not worth your soul. Hallelujah. Or not a whole stretch of streets or avenue in Manhattan, in Midtown Manhattan, with all the skyscrapers on that street. 
the whole of Fifth Avenue, if it was be given to you, it cannot be compared to your soul. It cannot compare to your soul. Not the whole of New York City. It cannot be compared to your soul. Not the whole of New York City with all the buildings, with all its wealth, with all the treasures in it can be compared to your soul. Not the whole of New York City with London and with Paris and with Dubai all combined together to be given to you. It's not compared to your soul. He says, not the whole world. Not the whole world. If you are given the whole world, it still cannot be compared to your soul. Amen. Amen. You see, profit. Profit is equal to your gains minus your losses. Isn't that so? Isn't that how we calculate how much profit I make? All that I gain minus the losses equals my profit. Now the Bible is saying if your gain is the whole wealth, if your gain is the whole wealth and what you have to invest into that to gain the whole wealth is your soul, then you have made a loss. Then what you are net is a loss. Your net gain is a negative. There is nothing in this world, there is nothing in this whole wide world that can be compared to your soul. Beloved, you don't know the value of your soul and that is why you trivialize it. And Jesus is breaking it down to you. What is the value of your soul? What is the value of your soul? Amen. When you don't know the value of things, you trivialize them. Hallelujah. You see, everyone thinks about their faces, your hair, your body, the clothes that you put on, the ornaments. They are very valuable to you. But you don't think about your soul because it's not valuable to you. You never think about your soul because you have no idea how valuable. You think your body can gain you something. You think your, if you can make your face beautiful, it can gain you something. You think if you can advance your brain to think in a certain way, it can gain you something. But you do not think of anything to do with your soul because you don't think it can gain you anything. But Jesus is telling you that if you will gain the whole world and the investment is a sacrifice of your soul, you have made a net negative. Amen. Amen. Beloved, when you don't know the value of something, you don't treat it with importance. Sometimes somebody gives you a gift and because you don't know its value, you don't know how much it is valued or what it costs to obtain that thing, sometimes you just go home and then you throw it somewhere. Sometimes you just go home and then you you put it under your bed. Because you don't know the value of it. 
Hallelujah. But when you go somewhere else, and that same gift, you see the price tag that is on that same gift that you have. You come back home quickly, searching the whole house, and you are angry that you can't find it. And you are angry and yelling at people, where is this thing that I had here? I brought this here, and I laid it here, and I can't find it. You get angry at people looking for it. Why? Because now you have understanding of the value of that thing. So suddenly that thing is a new thing to you. Suddenly that thing is a supernatural something to you. Suddenly that thing has become very special. And then you are looking for it and then someone will say, oh, I just saw it lying down here and as I was sweeping, I just put it in the trash and then I think it is in the trash somewhere. I'm not sure if the trash man came to pick the things up already. You run outside going in the trash looking for that thing because now you have a value you have understanding of the value of that thing you dig in the trash like a madman or a woman without senses you know sometimes you go out to the store to do shopping, and then you are looking at the racks, you know, and then you are just flipping the clothes, and then sometimes you find this ugly dress, you know, you see, and then you wonder if anyone will ever wear something like this, and then have you, have you experienced that thing before, and then you think of who would have made a dress like this that is even in the store, and then as you are, you just take the dress and then you throw it somewhere. And then the tag just flips in front of you. And then you look at the tag. And then it looks like it is $978.56. And then you go closer. And then you look at the tag again. And then you see to confirm that the price you are seeing is what it is. Suddenly, you take that dress. And then you are looking at it closely. Suddenly, you take that dress. You want to go into the room to try it on. Suddenly, you take that dress. You start thinking, looking for the value. Looking at the thread. Looking at the seams. Looking at the sewing. Suddenly, you want to place value. You want to place value in the otherwise what looks like something simple. What looks like something inadequate. What looks like something worthless. Suddenly, you are putting a price on it because you have identified a van. Amen. So when you want to know the value of something, check the price tag. I say when you want to know the value of something, check the price tag. How much did it cost? How much did it cost for this hat? How much did it cost? Or how, what it took for someone to obtain it. It will give you an idea of the value of the thing. And the price tag that is on your salvation, I just want to show it to you. How many of you want to know? Say what a preacher. What a preacher. Say what a, word. what a word. Say what a blessing. What a blessing. Amen. I want to show you the price tag that is on your soul. Turn with me to John chapter 3 and verse 16. 
John chapter 3 and verse 16. Tell your neighbor, we're almost done, so just hang on. Are you receiving understanding? Are you receiving values and cost? So what is the price tag on your salvation? John 3 and 16, a very popular Christian scripture. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, God so loved the world, that he didn't know what to do with himself. You see, when a husband loves a woman so much, sometimes you don't know what to do. You want to do something to let the woman know that I love you. Are you with me? When you have love for someone, sometimes you don't know what to do with yourself. When a woman loves a man so much, sometimes she doesn't know what to do with herself. She just says, take me. Hold me. Take me. Take me. You see, she doesn't know what else I can give you to let you know. He said, it's my whole, everything. He says, yours. <laughs> the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The price tag on your salvation is the only begotten son of God. The price tag on your salvation is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The the price tag on your salvation is for a king of kings to forsake his crown in heaven and come on earth to die. That is the price tag that is paid for your salvation. Now, when you look closely to or at this scripture, it gives further knowledge about the price. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, two things are going to happen. He says, The price is paid to deliver you from perishing. To deliver you from perishing. Perishing from what? Perishing from hell. Hell is a real place. You have no understanding of hell and so you have no value of your soul. You have no knowledge of hell so you don't know the value of what has been paid to deliver you from hell. You have no idea. It is not a fantasy. It is not a story. It is not a made-up thing. Hell is a real place. Jesus told of a story in the book of Luke about a man, a rich man, who died and went to hell. And the Bible says, in hell, he lifted up his voice and saw Abraham afar off. The rich man said, he is in torment. He says, I am in torment. Hell is a place of torment. It's not torment for a week. 
It's not torment for two weeks. It's not torment for a year. It is eternal torment. The rich man said, I am tormented in this place. I am tormented in this place. Send Lazarus to dip his finger into water and come and put it on my tongue because my tongue is burning. I am thirsty. I am tormented. I don't know of any form of test that would be so bad for you to desire that a beggar, a poor person, someone's dirty finger should dip in water and come and put on your tongue. You have no idea what hell is. And so you trivialize it. And so you don't know what price, the value of the price tag to deliver you. And Abraham said, you in your lifetime receive good things. And Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. You see, you don't know God. You think God is so good that he will not put you in hell. But a good mother, a loving mother, when the children do not value the priceless things that she makes for them or sacrifices for them, you see another side of the mother. You will see another side of God if you refuse that invitation. God can get angry when people refuse this invitation that he went out of his way to offer. He says, now thou art tormented. And then he said, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. He says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus, who is now in heaven, to my father's house because I have five brothers. I have five other brothers. They are just like me. They heard about hell. They heard about heaven. They trivialize it. We thought it was a joke. We didn't think it was real. We heard the Christians saying it. We heard them talking about being born again so you don't go to hell. We didn't think it was real. But when I died, now I have found out that this thing is real. Father Abraham, please send someone. Send someone. If someone were to go from the dead, someone who has experienced it, someone who has seen it, someone who has felt it, if someone was to go from here to them, to my brothers who have been hearing the same thing that I heard and I trivialized, if someone from hell, someone from heaven, someone in eternity were to go back and to preach to them, they will hear. They will honor the invitation. They will receive it. Please, Father Abraham, please, Father Abraham, I don't want any of my loved ones, I don't want any of my brothers to come to this place of torment. It's not worthy for anyone to come here for just a simple message to receive and to honor and to welcome this feast. Father Abraham, please send someone. And Father Abraham, said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. They have pastors. They have preachers who are talking to them right now. They have preachers who are speaking to them right now. If they will not hear them, 
and they will still doubt it and they will still not believe it, then even if someone from the dead was to go and tell them, they will still not believe it. They will still end up here. They will still not believe it. They say God is good, so he will not send anyone to hell. They say God is too good to send anyone to hell. You say they have prophets, they have pastors that are preaching to them right now, right this minute, in a QFC, bronze branch, right now, right here, right here. If they will not receive, if they will not welcome him, even if someone from the dead was to come, they will still not believe it. Amen. Amen. The second thing that price was paid for was to give you an everlasting life. Heaven is a real place. Hallelujah. Heaven is a real place. You see, God has given us the gift of salvation for free. God has given us this gift for free. And often when something is given for free, we don't value it. You know, if we were to work so hard and pay for our salvation, we would have valued it. But often, when things are offered for free, we don't value it. So your salvation is given to you for free, but it did not come without a price. It is given to you for free, but someone paid a price. There was a tag on that price. And the price is the precious blood of Jesus. It didn't come by free. It is offered to you for free. And like most children, you see, children waste water. They can run water. They can turn water on. And then they leave and go to their rooms. And they are waiting for the water to be warm. To be warm and then come back and take a shower. You know, because they don't pay for it. They think it's free. It is water. But they don't think it is paid for. Sometimes they turn the electricity on in their rooms. You know, and because they think it's, it's free. Are you with me? When we think things are free, we don't have value for it. You know, a lot of people, sometimes they live in apartments where... All the utilities are included. Do you understand? And they turn their lights on and they forget and they go home. They go to work and they leave the light on. And as they are at the train station or at the bus stop, they remember, did I leave the light on? Did I turn it off? Did I turn the AC on? Did I leave it off? Did I? Ah, when I come back, you see, because it's for free. But sometimes they move to Another place where now you are paying for what you are using. You see, now you begin to pay for it. Now you know there's a price on it. So your utilization of that thing now changes. Are you with me? It changes. May you not be like a child. 
who does not know the value of running water. Now, in conclusion, I want to say this. That God gives us a lot of vital things. Are you listening to me? God gives us a lot of vital things. But we have choices. God has also given us choices to receive them or not to receive them. The things that God gives us, we choose to receive them or not to receive them. God does not force anything on us. Even when it's very precious, even when it's to your survival, God does not force it on us. He always gives us the right to choose. So even from birth, when a child is born, right from birth, there are vital things. But even a child, God gives the right to choose. Amen. God gives the right always to choose to receive or to reject. So even a child, a baby, when a child is born, the mother will put the breast in the child's mouth. God has filled the breast with milk. Now when the mother puts the breast in a child's mouth, the child has a choice to receive the milk or not to receive it. God does not force anyone. And the child... It is the child's benefit to receive that milk if the child wants to live. And so even from birth, the child learns to receive the milk once it is offered. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, as we are sitting here right now, there is air all around us. God has provided. There's abundance of air. And you have a choice to take in the air or not to take in the air. But you have learned, you have come to learn that your survival depends on you. Whether you receive it or not to receive it. You can sit here and choose not to take in the air because you don't believe it exists. You can choose not to breathe because you can't see it and you don't believe that it exists. Amen. Amen. Please stand to your feet. I want you to bow your heads with me. And just reflect on what God has shared with you. Please, no movement. No movement. Please, don't go anywhere. No one should go anywhere. Please, no movement. This is very important. No movement. Everyone should come back. No movement. I want you to reflect on what God has shared with you right now. He has given you a choice to receive or not to receive. Today God is giving you that choice once again. He says he so loved you. He said for God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. 
His only begotten son. His only begotten son. He said he so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever, whosoever will choose to make that choice to believe in him and receive him and welcome him. Oh, Jesus. Anyone, he has not made any exception. The only thing is a choice to receive. He has given, like everything that he gives, he has given us his only begotten son. And he says, whosoever, whosoever will choose, will make that choice to receive him, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. The choice is yours. With all eyes closed and every head bowed. All eyes closed and every head bowed. Everyone, reflect. Think about it. God has offered like everything else. He offers and he leaves you with a right to choose. The Bible says in Acts 4 and verse 12, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other. No other name. No other name. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under the heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. No other name. There is no other name. No other name. There is no other person. No other name given amongst men. Beloved, I don't know what other name you have. But today the choice is yours once again. If you are hearing his voice today, the Bible says, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. Today I'm offering you what God has offered me, which is the gift of salvation, his only begotten son. Now, if you are here, you want to receive this great offer. You have heard this many times, but today, you say, I have now understanding of the value. Today you are saying, Pastor, I want to receive this gift. I want to receive the gift of salvation. I want to welcome Jesus Christ into my life. This is the simple thing the rich man did not do. But you will find out when you die. And like a child that is born into this world, however you come out, you cannot go back into your mother's womb and repair what you did not fix. So if you are here this afternoon, you are saying, Pastor, I want you to lift up your hand, your right hand, and say this with me. Say this after me. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Lord Jesus, thank you for this great invitation. Your grace has found me. Your grace has found me. That is why I am here. That is why I'm here. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. 
forgive me of my sins I repent of all my sins forgive me of my sins wash me with your precious blood this afternoon Lord Jesus I welcome your invitation I have come to your great feast come into my heart come into my life Make me your own. Make me your own. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Please be my Lord. Be my master. Be my savior. From today, I will serve you. I will the rest of my life. Lord Jesus. I am a brand new person. Because I have found you. Please write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus for saving me today in Jesus name Amen Father we are grateful and thankful for your sons and your daughters who have received you this afternoon Father we are thankful that you have caused these ones to approach we are thankful that you have found these ones worthy of your invitation. Lord, may you build a hedge around them. Let not the enemy have a hand in their life. Father, may they never go back. But may you keep them in the great kingdom. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your sacrifice. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. We believe you've been blessed by this timely and powerful message. We invite you to join us on Sunday afternoons for our Duel of Heaven service and Tuesday evenings for our Word Power service. For more messages by Reverend Bright and Kuma, please subscribe to the QFC Bronx North podcast or contact us at 929-247-0738. Stay blessed.